Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and I'm joined again by Chrissy Garland for part two of her story. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you definitely need to go back and listen to that episode because that one, this episode will make a lot more sense if you've heard that one. Um, So Chrissy, welcome back. Thank you. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you is um, after hearing your story on the last episode, as women, as other women move forward and deal with different things, We don't want people to get stuck. You don't Mm -hmm. want to get stuck in your grief or uh, whatever's going on. So looking back, was there anything that you would have done differently? Not necessarily. I think think you learn even through things you do incorrectly or you you wish you would have done differently. Um, But what I would just tell someone else who's struggling and who's in the thick of it and just really experiencing either grief or trauma or depression is to keep running the race. You know, scripture talks about our life as a race and we run it to, to achieve the prize. And, um, just because it's hard and it, it can be almost unlivable at times we must remind ourselves just to keep running. And that's what kept me going is that God had me here for a reason. I was still alive for a reason and it's also okay to take breaks. We hear the the thought it's okay to not be okay. And I think that's such a good message Mm -hmm. because it is okay if you're not okay. And it is okay to admit that you're not okay. And if you need to take a water break from that race and, and pull out of something or um, put your time into something that is going to help you heal or, or um, yeah, get you through what you're going through. Uh, do that. Um, also get back up. Um, community is so, so important. And keeping yourself in community is so important. Um, and again, I'll just reiterate that we are all broken. We all go through different struggles and trials and diseases, uh, but we're never beyond God's redemptive work. And we are actually a part of God's redemptive work and we have a place and a purpose here. Um, so if you feel stuck and you're listening to this right now, like get up, go out, feel the sunshine on your face, um, do something that makes you laugh. That's good. And, um, we as therapists, we talk a lot about grounding techniques, but mm-hmm. what you see, what you smell, like you're alive, you're alive. And this is not going to kill you. Like you have to make an effort to say, this is not going to kill me. And Satan thinks he's going to take this ground from me, but God's already won it. Yeah. And get up, get up and keep going. Yeah, that's good. Um, you've come a long way in this journey, what steps or what game plan did you put into place to help you develop spiritual wholeness and emotional wellness? Okay. Like I said, in my last episode, um, my first plan was just to stay in bed, to allow myself to grieve, to allow it to hurt and to not try to be or do something I wasn't able to do or be. 
Um, thankfully in my situation, I was so covered in support and I lived with my parents who took care of my sweet babies and, um, was a part of a church that surrounded us with love and lots of food and, um, lots of prayer. Um, but I had to give my per- myself permission to grieve and to not be okay. And that's very against who I am. I'm very much so I'm going to get up, I'm going to fix, but I knew I couldn't fix this. So staying in bed. Um, and like I said, I'd hear my sweet babies get up in the morning and I just couldn't do it, but I learned to be okay that I couldn't do it until I woke up one day and I felt strong enough to get out of bed and to walk out that door and to sit with my babies as they laughed. Um, so I gave myself permission to say that I'm not okay. And I also gave myself permission to let it hurt and to not pretend to be something I wasn't. I want to shift now and talk um, about your kids. Um, y'all have twins who mm-hmm. are four years old. Uh, do they understand what has happened? What has this been like as a mother walking through this with your kids? Oh, goodness. So... This is probably one of my hardest parts of healing is my children. Mm. Seeing them without a father, um, knowing the things that they will face in this world with this story as their story. Um, As a mom, this is my biggest worry for Joa and Sayla. Those are my kids' names. Um, Thankfully, the Lord has instilled with them a very strong will which is very difficult on me sometimes. but I think my uh, mother can attest to that yes. as well. <laughs> yes, and you're thankful for it, but at the same time, it, whew, it wears you out. But he also has given them just an indescribable joy inside of them, and I know that is from the Lord. Um, Eric was a great dad to them. He was very supportive. He would stay up nights when I needed to sleep, and he'd play with them when I wanted a nap or a break. Um, He loved them. And I think they'll always remember that somewhere inside of them. Um, When Eric first died, I began just telling them that their daddy's in heaven. And if you know Randy Alcorn, he does books on heaven and they're incredible from kids to adults. Um, And we made it a routine to look up at the stars at night and say hi to daddy. And Eventually, they they stopped asking about him and really just lived their lives. And only recently, now that they're back in preschool and learning about families, have they asked where their dad is. Um, and that that's a new challenge. Uh, they they know their dad died. They know he loved Jesus, and they know he's in heaven with Jesus. And that's really the the extent they know of him right now. And I know that will change through the years. And I can only pray and hope for continued resources, continued support. Um, but they also ask God for a dad. And so I'm learning, I'm learning how to navigate all of this. Um, it's a mix of theology and brain development and grief and trauma. And I just ask God every day to help me know how to handle it. Um, I just know what I can do is unconditionally love them and let them know that they have a God who loves them and they have people that surround them with love. So that's, that's really my daily goal right now. Yes. Well, I saw you a post that you made on Father's Day with your kids surrounded by men who clearly love them and who have stepped in to be father figures. How did you find that? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I feel like I say, oh, goodness, after every question. <laughs> um, I think 
us mamas know we just want, we want the world for our kids. We want the best for them. And to know that they have to carry the story is heartbreaking, but that's when God shows up and he puts people into place that show us his love in human form. And my dad is amazing. He was a wonderful dad. He's a phenomenal grandfather and he's really stepped up and he makes it clear to them. I'm not your dad. I'm your granddad, but I love you like a dad. And the church that we attend, um, men are always trying to give high fives and, and chase them down the hall and they have their own kids, but they make an intentional effort to say, there are men in your life that aren't going to leave. There are men in your life that care about you. And thankfully to, to my church and those men and our pastor who's one of them, um, they at least have male figures in their life to, to share those truth messages with them. Mm, that's good. Um, from what you shared in the previous episode, you've dealt with a lot of church hurt and wounds by church people in the midst of an already painful season. Um, but you still love the church. Mm-hmm. You still attend church. Um, can you share how you got to that point? I know you said at one point y'all took a break from the church. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so as I shared in the last episode, I'm actually a pastor's kid. My dad is still a pastor. Um, Eric was in the ministry as well, grew up in the ministry and uh, saved at a young age. And so that that's kind of our life. We've seen the impact it has on the communities that we've been in, on the world. And so I remember when I was 16 years old, I knew the Lord was calling me to local church ministry. I grew up in an amazing church where my dad was the pastor for 24 years. And um, even though I saw a lot of behind the scenes stuff and stuff that I didn't like and I didn't agree with and that hurt our family, um, that church made me who I am today. And they they kind of built that solid foundation um, and along with my parents, just to teach me about Jesus and the love of Jesus. And so I have a quote that I really live by. It says, our greatest wounds come from relationships, but so does our greatest healing, and the risk will always be worth it. And I feel like those relationships in the church are so important because, yes, people can hurt you, but those are the same people that are going to show up for you, and the church should be the people that show up for you and be that refuge. Um, When Eric was arrested and we left our church, I decided to go back to that church after he was arrested and we, he had resigned and we were gone from the church. But the week before I actually led worship at that church. So I was like, I'm going to go back. This is the time we should go back. And it was just me and my four month old babies. um, And we tried to walk in And someone encouraged us to leave because they didn't want people to be mean to us. They felt like we needed to take a break from church. And I remember I continued to walk through the doors with my double stroller (laughs) Um, because I feel like that is a time people should go to church when they feel shame and they're hurting and um, it should be the first place they can go. So I remember sitting in the back and my twins slept. And like I said, I was on the stage the week before, but now I was in the back row feeling this shame upon us. Um, but I always tell people it was on the back row. I figured out what the church truly was. Um, it was for people like me 
and like my husband and everyday people that struggle, um, people who knew God and desperately wanted God, but may have been seen as outcasts and people longing for grace and love, um, despite what they had done or gone through. And I spent my life teaching about it, you know, as a PK and as a ministry leader teaching about grace. And it's just such a different experience when you're on the opposite end, just being covered in grace and embracing it. And so God spoke to me that Sunday that I went and sit on the ba- sat on the back row. And that next Sunday, I decided we'd go to the second row and that it would be a testimony um, that the church would be a refuge and should be a refuge for people Absolutely. like me. Yeah. Yeah. And the gospel, like I said, the gospel is for all of us. Um, one thing I know is there is, it tends to be shame that people feel um, when they're dealing with some of these struggles that we've talked about, um, mental health or mm-hmm. addiction, uh, suicidal thoughts. Sometimes people feel that shame. And mm-hmm. as somebody that works in a church, like I would never want somebody to feel that they would need to hide that coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we start some of those conversations about struggles in these Christian settings, in these church settings? Yes, yes. And again, I'll reiterate, I believe the church should be at the front lines of these things. And um, first, acknowledging that you can admit these struggles, and it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you lack faith. And I want just that to be Jesus. loud and clear. Yeah. yeah, it just means you need Jesus. You need reminding of His healing power, of His love, of His grace. And when I say healing power... Not that you're going to be healed completely from this issue or um, it's just going to go away once you go to church or, but to say that God's going to walk through you with, with you through it. He is. And so should the church and the leadership of the church. We see in the new Testament when Paul talks about having a thorn in his side and Mm -hmm. he prays and prays that it'll go away. But (laughs) God's response is my power is made perfect in weakness Mm -hmm. and Sometimes we just get to we live with it, and it's like you said, and we talked about previously, that God redeems what He allows, and mm-hmm. so He's going to redeem our stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think what's so important is that we understand that. I think the church needs to be at the front lines at, of admitting these things actually take place. Mm-hmm. They, they happen within church leaders. So many of our pastors struggle with depression and anxiety, and no one knows because if they told somebody they could get fired or they'd be judged or um, people would treat them differently. And so I think it really starts with church leadership admitting it. And if they don't struggle with things like that, um, creating a safe place for other people to struggle and talk about it. So I say it really starts with confession and admission, like admitting that, and then also being willing to be educated and saying, yes, the Bible has all the answers. Yes, it is the foundational truth of our faith, mm-hmm. but God also provides resources for us, like counseling and medication and sure. different things. And there's no shame in that. No. And the church should be saying that. They should be telling people that. Um, Which I will say, if you are local to the Tyler area, we have connect groups that we would love for mm-hmm. you to be a part of, um, where it's a great place to find community. You talk about how vital community was in your story, mm-hmm. and connect groups are a great place for that, and to be able to have some of those conversations, like, hey, I'm really struggling, and I need y'all to 
come sit on a bench with me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and the leaders of the connect groups to open up questions, to provide that safe place to, to share your story yeah. and what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we, we need to just change the message and the environment and be a place that people can struggle. Like we've heard the, the quote, be a hospital for the sick and not a sanctuary for the um, saints. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to be is a place to come find refuge and healing Absolutely. and love and be loved. Um, so throughout this pain and devastation and trauma and grief that you've experienced, what are some scriptures that have really carried you through? Okay. <laughs> well, all of Psalms pretty much. Uh, Psalms has been, um, I, I say a lighthouse in my, in my soul. Like it's just been a bomb and has helped with my healing so much. But my favorite passage will always be Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. And it says, be the Lord's love never fails and it's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Therefore I will wait for you. Gosh, that's good. And every morning when I wake up, I say your new, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Therefore, I will wait for you. And I don't necessarily know what I'm waiting for, but he provides me what I need for the day. And so I keep saying it. I keep saying it. And I'm excited to see what God continues to be faithful in and continues to provide. And um, so that's one of my favorites. Another one would be Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will lift up their wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Mm. And that's another one uh, just to provide strength. And again, waiting on the Lord, knowing that it may not be okay today. It may not be okay tomorrow, but you have the promise to know that he's working and he's doing something. And therefore we get up and we live. Absolutely. Um, As we close today, I just want to remind you that we see God's faithfulness and tenderness in your journey and in your story. Um, I want to remind our listeners that God gives us what we need for our story today. I think sometimes as women, we hear other people's stories and we put them on ourselves and we feel empathetic and begin to picture their story being our story and we fear it or wonder, how could God ever sustain me through that? but Philippians 4, 10 through um, 11 says, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You have nothing to fear in Christ, and he holds you close. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that, Chrissy, as we hear your story, that reminder and that truth stands that um, I keep going back to it, but God redeems what he allows. Mm-hmm. Um, So as we close today, um, we have a couple of questions that we ask all of our listeners. Uh, What is something you're learning right now? And what is something you're loving? Okay. Um, (laughs) Something I'm learning now, years after this happened, because it happened in 2019 and it's 2021. um, I'm learning that I still can't control my healing. I think even after Eric died, I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And Two years out, it just doesn't look anything like I thought it would. Um, and to be okay with that. Um, I'm learning that God doesn't leave me in my suffering. Um, that, like I said, it may not look like what I want it to, but it's still present. 
he is still present. Um, my kids are healthy and happy. We have a home, we have a community. And sometimes I look at people who seem to have normal lives and I wish for it. (laughs) Um, but in the middle of all of that, I find God in the most intimate ways that I may not find him if things were great and normal. Um, I wrote recently something on one of my mini blogs and I, I wanted to read it. Yeah. And it's just right where I'm at. And I think it's what I'm learning and it's what I'm loving. Um, I said, I often hide myself in fear, believing messages that tell me that I'm forgotten, not good enough and abandoned in a life story I did not choose. But in these places that I avoid is a refuge that holds the most intimate encounters with a living and relational God. And here my heart softens and gently whispers these truths. It is here we learn to sing songs of joy while sitting in tears of lament. It is here we learn to dance on desert places. It is here we take back the ground that Satan thought he had won. It is here we find that faith and holy presence can be more powerful than answers or human understanding. And though I find myself in deep grief still, I love the fact that he meets me and has provided all of our needs. Um, he hasn't taken away the pain or, or changed the story or anything, but he's been there. And that's what I love is to see him in those moments that should be desolate and dry, but he provides um, a fountain of, of love and grace and reminders that he is ever present. So, What a beautiful reminder. Chrissy, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.